following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen, amen. Are y'all noticing a reoccurring theme today? We're going to be talking about our connect groups. Hey, we're so glad that you're here today. Hey, in just a second, we're going to receive the offering and also gather up the connection cards. But I wanted to take just a a real quick minute to tell you uh, how much I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your faithfulness. And, you know, as as a pastor, that's what I do. I pastor people. And what a pastor is, is a shepherd that, you know, I I lead on the path of righteousness. I talk about the goodness of God. And I recognize that you have to walk your own path. And so when we talk about the issue of money, for instance, I know that sometimes that can be a little sensitive and people get, you know, this mindset because the enemy comes in and says, hey, the church is all about money. We're not. We're really about you walking in the abundance that God has for you. And there really is a process in our life, like with the tithe, that we bring that back to the Lord because it belongs to him. And then he blesses the 90% because what happens is he redeems the curse that's on our money, on unrighteous mammon, the Bible calls it. Now, we just recognize you have to understand that and believe that. You have to walk in a revelation of that. And so if I ever come across um, harsh in any way or you're feeling like, oh, he's making me try to do something, I'm not. I promise. It's not my intent. My heart is for you to recognize God's promises and walk in it. But again, I get to lay out the path. One of the things I learned uh, about five, six years ago is that I'm responsible to you, but I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible to you to speak words of light, but you have to still make a decision to do that. And God blesses us, and there's reasons why he blesses us. First of all, he wants us to be blessed, and then he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. He's talking about all the goodness of God bound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Meaning there's not lack happening in your life, financially, emotionally. How many of you know it's hard to help other people when you're sick? It's hard to help other people when you're broke. So God is having all, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. See, when we give, it's, we're really giving out of the overflow of what God is giving into our lives. And so that's our heart for you, is that you would just recognize and understand godly principles. Because I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. You really can't. When you begin to understand that, it changes everything about you. And so I just want to encourage you with that today. And I want to pray over the offering and the the connection cards today. So will you just pray along with me? Lord, I, I just thank you, first of all, for this generous church. I thank you for the way that people are so generous that they invest, that we're investing together, God, in the kingdom of God. Lord, that we're investing, Father, for people's lives to be changed. And I, I just pray for people that are kind of on their journey of understanding this issue of money. They're, they're trying to understand, Father, your promises related to finances or, or the, the prosperity in every area and arena of our life. Lord, that you would just continue to reveal to them, God, your purpose and your plan. That, that they would have those aha moments of understanding, God, that, Lord, you're a good God. And you love to do good things in the lives of your children. So we believe and we receive every one of your promises. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would go ahead and take the buckets that are there on the end of the aisle and pass them on down. Tonight, night of worship, 6 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time in about an hour service just worshiping God. And it's going to be incredible. You're going to want to be here. Also, this Wednesday night, while Connect Groups are starting this week, our student ministry and our children's ministry is also starting back up. In fact, our youth this Wednesday night are going to have a united night. So if you have a young person in your family, we want to encourage you to get them here. 
It's going to be awesome. They're going to have a great time. And so we want to encourage you to make sure that they're here this week. Hey, let's stand up. We're going to make some declarations over our life. We love to speak words of life. Amen. Amen. Doesn't speaking words of life feel so much better than not speaking words of life? You know, you're just kind of maybe tired and frustrated and something happens and you start going, blah. You ever do that? Am I the only one? You know, in those moments, you walk away going, oh, that feels horrible. But yet when somebody makes a mistake and they blow it and yet you speak words of life to them and you see them get encouraged, I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. So we want to practice learning how to speak words of life. So let's make these declarations today. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 13. Today, as you can tell, we're launching our small groups that we call connect groups. And our heart's desire is to get everyone involved. And he's saying, Pastor Rich, are you saying everyone? I'm saying everyone involved. We would love for everyone to be involved in a small groups. We, we love the big celebration services. I mean, isn't it awesome to come in here and corporately gather together and we hear the word of God and God speaking to us through the word and we walk away energized a lot of times going, wow, okay, man, God, thank you for sharing that with me. The, the times that we get to worship together, you know, sometimes when you walk in with a lot of heaviness, it's kind of hard to worship God, but if you just kind of learn to set that aside because people around you are worshiping, they kind of sometimes just drag you into the presence of God. You ever had that happen? So it's awesome. The big celebration. In fact, tonight, night of worship again, we want to encourage you to be here. But real life change takes place within a small group. Small groups are where life change takes place. And you say, Pastor Richie, I'm, I'm really not sure that I believe that. Where did you learn that from? Jesus. You know, whenever you say the God card or the Jesus answer, you kind of like, oh, okay, well, I can't really argue with that. And, and, but listen to this. Jesus preached too and he taught the crowds. But he spent most of his time with his disciples, his small group. He spent most of his time with them. Do you know why? Because Jesus knew that real life change takes place in a small group. It's where you're going to discover life. It's where life is going to be poured into you, where you're going to pour life into others. In fact, sometimes we don't have life just simply because we're not pouring life into other people. We're getting a little stagnant because God's pouring into our life, into our life, into our life, and we're just going, okay, this is awesome. It's really the pouring out that really life takes place. And in the book of John, what we're going to look at today, it, John really captures the heart of Jesus about this issue of relationship. In fact, Half of the, almost half of the book of John deals with the last week of Jesus' life. And in this, he deals with two things. He deals with the Holy Spirit, and he deals with the issue of relationships. And, and so I want to look at it because he gives us this incredible insight to these important words of Jesus because these are his last words. How many of you know that last words are important? You know, as your parents get older and grandparents get older, and sometimes as they're on their deathbed, they're, they're saying things that they've been wanting to say for a long time, or they're, they're telling you things that are really important. And Jesus is sharing with us his last words. And we're going to look at five chapters that actually deals with the, the last night of Jesus. It deals with that Thursday night before he knows that he's going to be crucified the next day. And he's sharing these last words, and guess who he's sharing it with? His disciples. 
He's sharing it with his small group because Jesus is real intentional about relationship. We, for, the, for years, the church didn't understand that. We thought he was real intentional with rules and regulations. But Jesus is real intentional about relationship. The importance of the relationship, first of all, that you have with God, but also that you have with others in the body of Jesus Christ. Because listen, again, you have life that somebody needs. And somebody has life that you need in your life. So let's look at John chapter 13. Again, these are Jesus' final words. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. And it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. Having loved his own. In other words, Jesus again decided to spend his last night with the 12 disciples. Because he recognized if I can get life into them, they're going to get life into other people. See, we sometimes think about the masses and trying to get our arms around the masses. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to spend it with the 12 because if I can get life into them, they're going to turn the world upside down. See, sometimes it's a, it's a thing that I fall into as a pastor is I think that we have to be bigger. We want to be bigger because people matter to God. Every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So we want to grow bigger. But listen, if we can find 12 that are here today, probably 225, 230 people in this sanctuary just today, if we can find 12 that will get radically committed to a relationship with God and a relationship with other people, we can turn the world upside down. It's amazing how powerful it is. So having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Please catch this. Jesus is about ready to show them the full extent of his love. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So... He knows he's about ready to die, so what does he do? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, if you're like me and you were raised in church, feet washing is just kind of a part of what we know about Jesus. We know this story. We know that he did it. There are some denominations that actually part of the way that they worship together is is they actually do feet washing. But just so you know, for the disciples, this is freaking them out. It is because feet washing was reserved for the lowest servant. The new guy, the newbie, y'all know what I'm talking about? They got the responsibility of washing feet. And listen, when you, when you wash people's feet, you get to see what's up between their toes. How many of you know there's some nasty stuff up there? It's hard for me to even say this because I actually have an issue with feet. I don't like people touching my feet. I don't like to touch other people's feet. I got ugly feet, so I don't typically wear sandals with open toes. In fact, on my right foot, my second toe looks like somebody took a ball-peen hammer and kind of smacked it several times. It's kind of going like this. Kind of, so I'm kind of freaked out about feet. And yet here's Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And he is getting close to his disciples by washing their feet. It's freaking them out. He came to Simon Peter, verse 6, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet too? 
Here's what Simon is saying to him. You know what, Lord, I've enjoyed these last three years with you. I've, I've enjoyed kind of getting to know you personally, but I don't know if I'm ready to go to this place with you. It's a place of intimacy, because honestly, this is freaking me out a little bit. I don't know if I'm ready to get that up close and personal with you. Watch what Jesus says, verse 7. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. See, I want to stop right here and say, I don't think most people realize how important it is to have a few people in your life that know you well enough that they know what's located between your toes. Now, of course, I'm speaking metaphorically here, all right? We do not have to understand different things about each other's feet. In fact, as I'm saying this, some of you are thinking with connect groups, is that what they do in connect groups? Do they wash people's feet? A connect group might decide to do that, but hopefully it'll be something everybody agrees on. But we don't typically do that because we don't walk around like Jesus did in his day with sandals so our feet aren't getting dirty. All right? But I do think that there's a modern day application of foot washing, and it's this. You need to have someone in your life that's close enough to you that they know what's happening between your toes. That you can be that vulnerable with them. That you can open up your heart and your life to them. See, you have to have people in your life that know the most personal and the, and the most intimate things about you. Things that you struggle with. There are people that need to know that. Now, I'll tell you what the enemy doesn't want is for you to bring into the light what you're trying to keep in the dark. Because we've all got some things that we don't want to confess openly. And listen, when you come in to here on a Sunday morning, it's okay to put on a brave face and, and wear a mask in a sense, but you can't do it all the time. You've got to have some people in your life that you can say to them because you built a relationship with them through a process. You let them in a little bit, let them in a little bit more, let them in a little bit more. Now you can open up to them and say, let me tell you what I'm dealing with right now. Let, it, let me tell you what I'm struggling with. It's the only way to be healthy. And unfortunately, there are so many people that carry so much junk in their life for so long, it's just a part of who they are and what they do. They don't even recognize it as a problem anymore. God wants to set us free. Here's why that's important. Again, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. You might not understand it right now. You might not understand why relationships are so important and why you need to let people into your life. But listen, when you're about ready to make a decision that's going to take your life, that's going to take your family's life, that's going to take your finances, that's going to take your career in a direction that is not a good direction, you better have people looking at your life that can step into a moment and say, listen, listen, don't do that, don't do that. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to save you from a lot of heartache. They are. They're going to save you from a lot of problems. But what the enemy is working overtime in doing is getting us isolated so that we come on Sunday and we got our smile on. God bless you. Great to see you today. We fought the entire way to church, right? And we get there. We've been slapping the kids. Settle down. Settle down. And we get out. And we go, okay, let's all behave. Great to see you all today. God bless you, brother. Good to see you too. God bless you. Man, praise the Hallelujah, right? We've got blind spots in our life. We do. We've got blind spots that we can't see. That's why they're called blind spots. And you need some people in your life that you've developed a relationship with. And let me tell you something. Relationships don't happen like this. They take time to cultivate and develop in your life. That as you get, begin, again, to really trust people, you can let them in and say, okay, let, let me tell you about this in my life. 
See, I grew up in a denomination where you could not talk about what was going on wrong in your life. In fact, I knew new pastors that would, that would confess that they were struggling with lust and would literally be removed from their churches because they'd confess that. You know what that trains people to do? Shut up and don't ever say a word. But I have to tell you that, that all of us deal with some issues. We've got some issues going on in our lives. Peter does, didn't get what Jesus was talking about. Look at the next verse, verse 8. No, said Peter. And can I tell you, this is what a lot of people say. We start talking about connect groups, and like Glenn was talking about, you're kind of like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't want to be there. No, said Peter. In fact, it's what we say really here in the panhandle of Texas probably more than any because we're kind of rough and rugged, independent, right? We can, we can make life on our own. And, and some of you can make it through life, but you make it through life limping. You, you make it through life barely. And, and to, to rise to your full potential, to be all that God's created you to be, you've got to have some people in your life that are going to help you walk through life so they can say, watch that, watch that. Hey, are you doing okay there today? No, said Peter. Listen, here, people typically will come in and they'll act like everything is fine in their life all the time. Do you know when they won't act like it's fine is when their world is falling apart. When Sometimes almost it's too late. Sometimes when I'm talking with couples in, for marriage counseling, most of them have waited until they hate each other. Honestly, they do. And what we need to do in our lives is when we have a problem that's a reoccurring problem or we're not getting over something that happened and we keep dealing with it, keep dealing with it, keep dealing with it, we need to get some people in our lives say, can we talk to you? Because we're, we're having a difficult time in my marriage right now. My wife's not listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> my husband's not listening to what I'm saying. Equal time here. You, don't wait until it's an emergency. Peter said No. Listen, no, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, Jesus, with being that intimate with you. You shall, listen, to, look at Peter's words, you shall never wash my feet. Watch what Jesus says. Unless I wash you. Peter, unless you let me get up close and personal with you, unless you open up your heart and life to me, you have no part with me. You know what Jesus was really telling him? We're not partners if you're not going to let me in. You and I need partners in our life. We need people in our life that we're going to allow into our life. Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, listen, I've been, I've been in ministry with you now for three years. And you, a lot of times, are doing and saying things that you should not be doing and saying. How many of you know Peter was the guy that any time he was taking his foot out of his mouth, it's because he was sticking the other one in there, right? He, he was constantly saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. And he's saying that to us today. You and I need people in our life. We need partners in our life that are going to watch what we're doing. They're not there to rule over you and police you. See, we, we go to an extreme in our thinking of that. Well, if I let somebody into my life and let them talk to me about my life, then I have to do what they're saying. No, you don't. You can weigh what they're saying. You can evaluate that. You can recognize, man, I might have a blind spot or they may not fully understand the situation. But either way, you now have people speaking into your life that at least allow you to evaluate where you're at in life. Peter needed partners. Listen, again, like I said earlier, it's okay for us to come to church. And man, we, we want to put on the best face. Because listen, nobody wants to be around a crybaby, right? You know, when sometimes we're, we are so beat up by life that, man, it just, we're having a hard time. Man, I get that. I'm not trying to belittle that. 
But sometimes we get so open, we're just constantly talking about our problems and our problems. We need to declare the promises of God. So it's okay to put on a mask on God. I'm trusting and I'm believing God. But sometimes you've got to get somebody else in your life to speak promises over your life for you. You've got to extend to them, allow them to extend to you their faith so that you're strong. You have to be willing to move beyond that awkwardness, all right, and open up your life to somebody. Now, why is that so important for us to do that? You need partners in your life so that you can successfully navigate the complexities of life. There are some people that have walked through some things that you're walking through or about ready to walk through that they can help you not make the pitfalls or walk through the pitfalls that they walk through. Not make some of the mistakes. Young people, let me, let me tell you, your parents, they've walked through some stuff. Listen to them. Listen to what they have to say. You know, I shared this in the past too. My kids, when they were about 13 years of age, kind of entered into the stupid stage. Now, just so you know, I'm not saying that they were stupid, but they thought everyone else was stupid. I mean, you tell them something like, whatever, Dad, you're so archaic, you don't even know what's going on. But it's somewhere along the line, they finally come out of it, and they're like, hey, this, my dad's actually a pretty smart guy. Can I tell you, we do that too? We get in the stupid stage, some stuff's kind of ruffled, stuff going on wrong around us, and we're just like, boy, they're just so stupid, they just don't even get life. Listen, they've walked through some things. Let people into your life. You have to be willing to move beyond that awkwardness. So uh, what I want to do today is I want to look at five principles. Again, Jesus' last words that he gives you and I. These are his final words. He's talking to his disciples. So we're looking, getting an inside look at him talking to his small group about things that are going to help you to be successful in navigating life. So chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are, again, Thursday night. Jesus is going to be crucified tomorrow, so he's talking about these incredible things about letting people partner with you. So here's the first one. When you're in partnership with other people, it allows you to serve one another. When When you're close to people and you know them and you love them, you actually want to serve them. When, when you know how good they are, and man, you're going, man, you know, they're, they're not perfect, but man, I love them. I love being in a relationship. This is what Jesus is doing, what we just read. You, you want to serve them. Now, when you, when you hear that again, the, we, we always see that side of it, and we think, you know, because we'll tell you, hey, man, you guys got to get out there, and you got to serve people, and that's true. But you need to be served also. You, you need to be served. You need people speaking into your life. You need people to help you. Well, when do you need to be served? When you're going through a difficult time, when your life's falling apart, that's the time you need to be served more than any other. Can I tell you, that's what a small group's going to do. They're going to serve you. They're going to help you. I I shared this last um, semester, but there was a a family in our church that was walking through a very difficult time with their son. It was a real challenging time. So they had called up to the church and said, hey, can we send a a pastor over to be a part of that? Well, the people that were going to go couldn't go. And so at the last minute, I went up there and I walked in and the connect group was already there. They were in a big circle and they're declaring the promises of God. I thought, man, I walked into a Pentecostal church service here, man. (laughs) I mean, they were declaring the promises of God, speaking life to them. And they're just going. I just kind of walked in and thought, whoa. This is awesome. So I sat there for about 15 minutes and just sat there and listened to it, watched different people declaring the promises of God. Finally, the connect group coach said, Pastor Richie, do you want to say anything? I said, man, I got nothing else to say. Y'all have said it all. You're going to need some, there's going to be some times in your life, God forbid, you're going to need some people to serve you. You're going to need some people that are going to come alongside you and they're going to help you up when you go through a death, that they're going to show up and help you with some arrangements, help you to think straight, help you to get your mind around what needs to take place. 
1 Peter 4 says this, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Do you know there's a gift in you? That's why we do step three of our growth track, so you can figure out what your gift is so that you can serve other people. Some of you, you are great at listening to people. I mean, you're awesome. Man, people can go on and on and on, and you are just connected with them. God bless you. You got a gift doing that. Some of you are problem solvers, man. You, you listen for a while, and you kind of have to, you problem solvers have to develop the gift of listening a little bit. But you listen for a while, and then you start helping them figure out what to do. Some of you are just great. You have the gift of hospitality, man. You know how to make a great fried bologna sandwich. Dude, you can bring some food, and man, all of us love that ministry, right? So you use whatever gift, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We're not all wired the same. We don't all have the same gift. Here's the next reason why we need partners in our lives. So that we can encourage one another. The word encourage literally means to lift the spirit up. Because sometimes all of us deal with a heavy heart. I don't care if you're Captain Christian here today. You're going to go through a time when you're going to deal with a heavy heart. It's what was happening with the disciples because, you see, they had thought that Jesus was going to come and establish an earthly kingdom. They thought he was going to come as a king and they're going to rule. So they were excited about Inauguration Day, right? They're part of the cabinet. This is awesome. We get to be involved with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about dying. Starts talking about going to the cross. He talks about leaving them and sending a comforter to them. And they're, they're kind of freaking out. They're dealing with a heavy heart. Here's what Jesus told them. Next chapter, John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, Jesus is reminding them to put their trust in God, and it's something that I want to remind you today. Put your trust in God. Our trust is not in our employer. Our trust is not in the economy. Our trust is not in President Trump. Our trust is in God. Period. Period. Put your trust in God. Listen, you gotta, what they're going to do is they're going to come into a moment and they're going to remind you about the promises of God. Because you see, if you've come to this church long enough, you know the promises of God. But the problem is, is when we're in the middle of the fight, suddenly we're ducking all the punches. We forget the promises of God. And you need somebody to step into a moment and say, hey, God is with you, mighty man of God. By his stripes you are healed. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. In those moments, you get to choose. Do I, am I going to exercise my faith or am I going to exercise my fear? Because see, both faith and fear are asking us to believe something that we cannot see. We exercise our faith because somebody stepped into a moment and they reminded us. Listen, this is, let me tell you why this is so important. Because when you're discouraged, you make bad choices. You have bad thoughts. You do. Some of you, when, when you get discouraged about your marriage, man, you went out. You start having bad thoughts. Some of you, when you're discouraged with, with your workplace, you want out. You start having, you want to quit. You just start having these bad thoughts. In fact, can I, can I be real with you today? As your pastor, there are times when I want to quit. In fact, it wasn't that long ago that we went through something and, and just happening in my life. It wasn't even a super big thing, but I was just in that place, maybe a little tired. And I just got, was telling Pam, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. I, I don't know that I, I want to walk through this anymore. And I'm thankful that I had people in my life that go, man, you're right, Pastor Richie. You should get out. You're horrible at this. <laughs> I didn't. I had people in my life that said, hey, you were made to do this. You were, you were created to do this. Listen, God's called you. Has God told you to leave? If God hasn't told you to leave, then you better stick in there. And sometimes we just need people to speak life in the middle of when we feel a little punch drunk. 
to understand the promises of God over our life. Because listen, what I know is you guys are awesome. Honestly, man, the, the problems I have to deal with with this church are nothing compared to some of what my friends have to deal with. They got some ornery people out there. And I know because the call's on my life, if I left this church, I'd have to do this again. I'd have to start off, and I'd probably get a bunch of ornery people. So I'm glad that I've got you. So I'm not going to quit. So thank you for every one of you that encouraged me all the time. Hey, just so you know, I feel very encouraged when you're amening me in my message. When you're leaning in and you're dialoguing and you're connecting with me. Listen, we need to encourage each other like that. We need to be about that all the time. In fact, Hebrews 3 says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. It's not just for church on Sundays. Listen, I hope you come in and during this hour and 15 minutes that we have service, man, you're incredibly encouraged that you leave this place feeling like you can whoop the devil with one arm tied behind your back. Man, you feel like the conqueror that God's called you to be. But listen, I want you to know, you can't wait for every seven days. Especially since some of you, it's every 14 days or every 21 days. 28, yeah, okay, we'll stop right there. You need to be encouraged today. So you need to be in a group that you're walking through something. You've got some people in your life. You can pick up the phone and say, man, let me tell you what I'm walking through today. I just can't get rid of this heaviness. It's been hanging around for about four or five days. Will you pray with me right now? Change your life. Don't do life alone. Here's the third reason why you need partners in your life. So that you can produce with one another. We know this, one plus one in the kingdom of God doesn't equal two. In fact, the word of God says that one in prayer will put a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. See, there's a synergy when we begin working together. It's one of the reasons why it's so popular right now to be anti-establishment in the church. Listen, I'm anti-religious rules, but I'm not anti a local body that gets together and starts man, going together. We can become so strong. We can influence a city for God. We can influence city council. We can influence the mayor. We can influence all kinds of things because we're growing and, and allowing what God has put in us to impact the world we live in. None of us are as strong as all of us. You guys have seen that where they'll hook up to a horse and they'll be able to pull like a thousand pounds. I don't know exactly what the numbers are. Another horse will be able to do a thousand pounds, but you put them together, they can do like 5,000 pounds. It's extraordinary what can happen. That's the beauty of the big church. We can do more united together than we can do separate. This, the the uh, Christmas tree, the, um, what did we call it? The blessing tree that we just did this past Christmas. 42 families, we were a part of blessing them at Christmas. Think about that just for a moment. You and a few of your friends tried to do that. Wow, overwhelming. And yet, man, many of you took, took the tags and you bought one or two gifts. Some of you took several tags because, man, it's so in the sweet spot of what you do. The, the serve day that we did for the downtown women's shelter. 100 people gave money, gave resources, gave things to it. Over 50 people showed up on that Saturday. We walked in with an ugly-looking apartment. When we left that day, it was awesome. The power of the many. That's, that's not enough for you? Listen, as a church, we're a part of an organization called ARC. It's Association of Related Churches. And because you give to this church, we give to that. Today, their goal, by the way, is to plant 1,000 churches they're already over 600. In fact, this Sunday, they are planting 14 brand new churches. We're a part of that. You're a part of that. It's awesome to begin to understand what God wants to do. It's literally going to impact thousands of people's lives. Listen, that's why we need 
uh, each other. That's why we need the big, because people matter to God. And we can do more together than we can do by ourselves. But it's why we need the small, because you matter to God. God's concerned about the things that are going on in your life. So big or small, we're better together. It's why we give together, it's why we serve together, it's why we get together so that we can produce incredible results with one another in the kingdom of God. See, sometimes we can think, well, you know, what I'm giving and what I'm serving, it's just so small, it doesn't really matter. I'm telling you, what you're doing is huge. It really is, and it's an accusation and a lie of the enemy to get you to think it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters what you're doing. So what's our common denominator? Jesus. In fact, my prayer is that you don't come to this church because of me. That you don't come to this church because of someone else. You don't come to this church because of the worship. That you know that God has called you for such a time as this to this place. See, when you keep Jesus as the common denominator, he will never disappoint you. He won't. I might disappoint you. Someone else might disappoint you. This church might disappoint you. But I promise you, Jesus will never disappoint you. He's the common denominator in all of our lives. In fact, next chapter, Jesus again, last word says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. See, it's amazing when we get together, the impact that we can have is we're abiding in the vine. It's all about Jesus. Here's the fourth reason why you need partners in your life. We need relationships so that we can protect one another. We can protect each other. Still looking at Jesus' last words, John 16. He says, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. The Greek word for astray there is the, the Greek, the words astray there is the Greek word skandalizo. And it's where we get our English word scandal. And remember, again, these are Jesus' last words, and he's saying, I'm telling you these things. I'm telling you that you need to serve each other. I'm telling you, you need to be in community. You need to be in relationship with each other. You need to be protecting each other so scandals don't show up in your life. See, see, scandalizo means to entrap or trip up. It literally means that there is a snare in your path that you cannot see. Let, let, me, let me help you understand what that means. There is a devil that is coming against you all the time. Anytime there's something being stolen, killed, or destroyed in your life, you got to know it's the devil. The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so what that means is he has placed a snare in your path to trip you up. That's his goal. He wants to trip you up. And so what he wants you to do is not see that and, and allow that thing to trip you up. Now, you may catch it with your own eyes. You may recognize, oh, hey, I better watch that. But you know what? It's so much better when you've got a bunch of people in your life looking at the same snares and the same traps that the enemy's brought into your life. Years ago, there was a lady in this church, which, by the way, she hasn't been here for a long time. And she used to not dress appropriately. And she was very flirtatious and, and this kind of stuff with a, a variety of men. I, I never... I never noticed it. Honestly, sometimes I'm so naive about some things. And my wife said, honey, I want you to avoid that person. I, 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 you need to be careful. And just so you know, my wife is not a jealous person. But she was seeing something that I wasn't seeing. And she said, honey, I want you to avoid that person. Do you know what I did? I avoided that person like the Russian plague. <laughs> is it because I'm scared? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen. I'm, o- I'm only one decision away from stupid. Yeah. Honestly. So are you. You are. They're, it's amazing how we go, oh, no, no. No, it's good. It's good. It's all good. 
The enemy's trying to bring things into your life because he wants to trip you up. He wants a scandal to take place in your life. Listen, I've been in ministry for 30 years. Can I tell you, it's taken 30 years to build integrity, but it can be lost with one bad decision. In our lives, when we begin to understand that, suddenly we let people into our lives. In fact, I do it more and more. The more I understand this, the more I do this. I tell people, you watch me, man. If you see something in me that, that is not right, you need to speak to it. I, I tell my staff that all the time. Guys, if you see me, because, man, I can get tired, and when I get tired and run down, I sometimes think I'm okay, and I'm starting to make bad decisions. In fact, I can always tell when I'm really tired and run down because I don't like people very much. That's my cue of, hey, I need to get me a day of rest. I need to get me a Sabbath and pull back and really get alone with God. And there are cues that, the, that, that, are, that happen in our lives that we need to recognize. Hey, things are not going well. And if you go, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I can make it, I got it. You're going to find yourself being tripped up and ensnared. We're called to protect one another. We are our brother's keeper, just so you know. And we need to let you let us in. Again, you don't have to let everybody in, but let somebody in. You need some people in your life that can, you can partner with. Fifth and final reason we need partners in our life is because we need to pray for one another. Get um, Kathy to come to the keyboard if you would. We need to pray for one another. John 17, 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed. It's an amazing prayer that he prays. If you ever want to read, again, the last words of Jesus, look at those five chapters. But... It's amazing, but I want to jump down to verse 9 where he says this. I pray for them. He's talking about his disciples. I'm not praying for the world. What? But for those you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for my disciples right now. I'm praying for Peter, James, and John. I'm praying for the rest of the disciples. But I'm not going to be praying for the entire world. Do you know why? Too many names. Too, too many people to actually pray for. You know, I feel this way sometimes as a pastor. What, what I need is for you to be prayed for on a regular basis. But we have about six, 700 people that call this their church home. There's no way that I can pray for all of you. I can't, can't wrap my mind or my arms around that or my time around that. But you know what I can do? I can pray for my staff. I can pray for these connect group coaches. And then I can train them to pray for you. And if you get in a connect group, you can start praying for the other people in your connect group. And you can pray for people in your workplace. And you can pray for other people in this church that haven't made that decision yet to enter in, into a group. And you can start lifting one another up. And before you know it, we all get prayed for. Jesus understood this. He recognized, I, I can't pray for everybody, but I can pray for my disciples. And then they're going to pray for others, and they're going to pray for others, and they're going to pray for others. And before you know it, the entire world can be prayed for. To get in a group you're going to get prayed for again this this semester we're going to focus on that a little bit more maybe maybe it's even we're going to be writing down names and 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 exchanging them amongst the group so the connect group coach is not feeling the burden of just pastoring but we're we're sharing one another's burdens together we're praying for each other that doesn't mean that you have to be real eloquent just maybe call them up one time a week and say hey man everything okay in your life hey let me pray for you real quick god pray that you'd be with them today Help them through this financial situation. Help them through this issue they're walking through right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretty simple. We're going to pray one for another. Or, Pastor Richie, I don't really know why I need people to pray for me. The reason why we need people praying for us and why we need to pray for one another is because it's the path to wholeness and wellness in our life. It's the path to freedom in our lives, honestly. 
Sometimes we've been bound up by something for so long, it literally is a part of who we are. We don't even know that it's an issue anymore. And there are so many believers that are living way beneath their privileges as children of God. They're carrying around all of these weights and all this junk, and they're struggling the best they can, but they just keep carrying the same weight. James chapter 5 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. This isn't about being righteous. We did that when we gave our lives to Christ. But we're basically taking off the mask. We're letting people in. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, having partners in our life is the path that leads us to wholeness and wellness in all areas and arenas of our life. I'll tell you what the enemy wants to do is he wants you to be fearful. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you to just go, you know what, maybe next semester. Next semester. You realize next semester never comes. Because when you get to that semester, it's typically next semester. Yeah, next semester, time's going to be a little bit better. Next semester, my life's going to be a little bit easier. Next semester, I'm going to be ready. And next semester never arrives. I'm telling you, today is the day for you to allow some people into your life. And again, it's just a process in your life. You opening up your heart and life to God and just saying, God, I I want you to lead me. I want to understand everything that you have for me. So I'm going to walk in all that you have for me today. So I want to pray over you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.